0: fanatics this is the latest entry in the diary of doom i'm your cypher dylan and join me as we look back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers every week we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn you can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com follow us on instagram like us on facebook follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com and you can subscribe and listen to the podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify and wherever else you may do so if you have a question or want to pitch me something, uh, whatever, you can fire off an email to Diary of Doom 1968 at gmail.com. Uh, joining me for this week's chapter is you're going to have to coach me on your last name. I might butcher it. Uh, is Glenn Szymanski?
1: Pretty close. Uh, the American <laughs> pronunciation is uh, Szymanski, but the Polish pronunciation is Szymanski. All right. <laughs> well, I won't.
0: Uh, I won't attempt to do it again since you did it so well there. Uh, Glenn is from the band Tines, uh, based out of Buffalo, New York. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I was checking out your music, and uh, it's. I think it kind of goes. It's kind of goes without saying that your music is not strictly doom. In fact, I think it has a lot more in common with more like the classic era of hard rock and progressive rock and definitely got some Thin Lizzy vibes for sure as we do in this genre there's a, it covers a pretty wide swath of sounds and i'm sure you've found yourself at home in the in the in the scene before and leading up to that uh, what were your earliest experiences with music did you have a musical upbringing or did you find it later on
1: i remember being about 10 years old 10 or 11 years old which would have been 1985 and i was really big into wrestling and the the tag team the tag team known as the road warriors came out to a song and my 10 year old mind was just blown i was like what the hell is this song (laughs) and it was black sabbath's iron man and uh the next thing i knew i went out and bought the paranoid tape and um about a year later One of my buddies at camp, he had an older brother who was into metal, and uh, he gave me the Ozzy Ultimate Sin tape. And I was confused. I didn't even know Ozzy was the singer of Sabbath. At the time, Ozzy was, like, in the tabloids, or there was all these rumors around school that Ozzy would, like, throw animals out in the audience to be sacrificed. (laughs) And I I was really conflicted. I was like, should I really like this guy? (laughs) And, uh... And then it was just pretty pretty much uh, fast forward through getting my hands on uh, whatever I could. I mean at the time it was it was very common to be into like basically whatever you could find like on MTV and uh, whatever tapes you could find or records just uh, there was there was no internet, so it would just be like sifting through stuff at the record store that, that you thought might be cool. And yeah, at, at pretty much at the same time I, I was listening to traditional, metal like like sabbath and and iron maiden and dio and then it also like kind of listening to some of the glam stuff that was coming out because i really didn't know any better and then (laughs) uh slowly getting into thrash and death metal and then kind of like punk and hardcore all all at the same time
0: did you um did you pick up uh, an instrument because of like finding out about metal or were you were you a player beforehand
1: I was not a player beforehand. I was, uh, I was, as a kid, I was much more into sports like baseball, soccer, football. Uh, my, my dad was super into sports. So, uh, it's, but once I, once I found music, I just totally lost interest in sports. I would say the person who inspired me to pick up guitar was, uh, Randy Rhodes, Ozzy's late guitarist. Uh, I just fell in love with his playing and that that's what, uh, Influenced me to go pick up a guitar. My parents were a little bit strict about it. They were like, "You have to play acoustic or classical for a year before we get you an electric guitar because we want <laughs> we want to make sure we want to make sure you're serious about it. And that was actually kind of a godsend because it uh, it it caused me to uh, to really work at it and it's it's definitely much harder to play to try to play metal riffs on a classical guitar than it is an electric. So once I finally did get my my electric the next year. I was like, "Oh wow, this is so much easier to play."
0: <laughs> right on. Did it take you like um, a while to? Because uh, the music you make with tines is not. Uh, I wouldn't. I mean, you can definitely hear it in there, but it's. Um, it's not. You know, it's not thrash metal. It's not death metal. It's definitely like more of. You know, the classic rock, but even kind of like predating that, you can hear some of that like late sixties like proto metal kind of sound in there. And then like probably like the thing that like caught me the most about it was um, the inclusion of keys and piano and whatnot. It's just not yeah. something you see a ton in in doom metal. But again, you're not you're not a doom band, so it was like nice to hear all that because uh, I love I love the inclusion of keys.
1: Yeah, uh I can't play keyboards very well, but I love them. I I could probably t- I would be way more into talking about keyboards than than guitars or amps. Uh, basically what what happened was I had kind of for years all my bands had kind of been in the more like punk, hardcore, extreme metal uh territory. I was living in New York City between 2006 and 2009. And I played in a death metal band called Mutant Supremacy. At that time, I was starting to kind of get sick of death metal. And I had a roommate who was playing tons of proto metal, prog rock, uh, psych rock, stuff like that. And I was just finding myself getting way into that. Um, I mean, I I, I dabbled a little bit in some of that stuff in the late 90s when I worked at a record store. And I would just basically grab any used CD I wanted for free. And, uh, but I found myself getting really, really into that stuff and knowing that the next band I did, I wanted to have be like that. I definitely wanted to, to play with a keyboard player and have melodic vocals and yeah, that's basically what happened. But I, I really couldn't even start the band. Like, I would try to meet people in New York city to try to do that kind of stuff. And, and I found a lot of people to be pretty flaky or they had like six or seven other bands. We yeah, could never, <laughs> we could never really get anything together. So it really wasn't until I had moved back to Buffalo. Uh, my, I moved back to Buffalo and my, my teenage daughter was living with me for two years while she finished up high school. And as soon as she went to college, I, uh, I started looking for people more seriously. And we started in the uh, in the fall of 2013. And I was able to find uh, the other four people to make it work. What
0: other bands are you in besides death metal band?
1: Oh, uh, that's see. a great name for a
0: band, by the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we took that, uh, seeing the Cannibal Corpses from Buffalo. We were, uh, the, the guys in Mutant Supremacy and I were sitting around one night trying to think up a name. I think we had a show lined up and we didn't have a name yet. And so we were watching the Cannibal Corpse documentary. And in it, uh, one of the early uh, bands that, that kind of came together to create Cannibal Corpse was a band called Tyrant Sin. And their demo was called Mutant Supremacy. So we, we all, as soon as, as soon as all three of us heard that, we were like, oh, shit, that's, that's our name. <laughs> nice. Uh, before that, let me think. I, <laughs> I actually played drums in a folk punk band called Evil Robot Uses, which was a, a Bill and Ted's uh, reference. And... Um, let me think before that. I kind of filled in. Uh, I was rec- I had a recording studio out of my out of my apartment in Buffalo, and I was recording a lot of punk and hardcore bands. A lot of times, uh, that would lead to like kind of fill in tour work with with some of the bands I'd record. Uh, I would just fill in on li- like for a couple live dates out of town. Like once one of their members quit. Let's see. What else was I doing around then? I had a serious band around then called Ad Hoc Theory. Uh, I hated the name. It was it was the other guy's uh, name. I kind of joined it after he he had the name. And we were kind of like uh, we were really into Mr. Bungle and a Stratosphere, So it was kind of like a a, a hodgepodge of like throw mm-hmm. throw every th- throw every style you can into into the song. Uh, that didn't last long. We we did that for like maybe a year or two.
0: So when you got back up to Buffalo and you you couldn't find what you were looking for in New York, um, do you think it was just sort of like that you're out of the city, kind of more toned down sort of vibe where it was just easier to find people?
1: I think so. And also, I mean, I, I lived most of my life in Buffalo, so I had more connections here it was easier to to find the people that I had already played with in other bands and and kind of knew that they were reliable or or knew knew that they were the right the right person to be in the band. um The drummer was this guy uh named Blake Elman when we first started and he's he's probably the best drummer in buffalo he he's He's played in a ton of different kinds of stuff uh more so like power violence and hardcore and uh he's all, he also really uh was into like just indie bands but he he i knew that he loved prog rock and proto metal and 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 some of the doom metal stuff so he was the perfect drummer when we first started out and he he plays a couple different instruments so he was able to to help with the songwriting and arranging too we had a, ba- a bass player at first named uh Mike Dagenais he's been in a couple uh bands since um but the two, the two other people who have stuck around since the beginning would be uh, Kelly Murphy, the singer. Um, I knew she would be the perfect singer because she's huge into Sabbath, UFO, uh, 70s era scorpions. Um, she actually wasn't living in Buffalo at the time. She was living out uh, in the Albany area. And so w- when we first started, we would just send her the songs and she would record vocals and send them back. And then once we started playing live, she would just kind of come into town and rehearse with us once or twice, and, and then we would play a show. But eventually she ended up moving back to Buffalo. And, uh, and then the keyboard player was somebody that I had met years before and didn't really know much about uh, their, their skill set, because they had mostly been in kind of like gothy, punk, uh, just weird stuff. But uh, when, once I was able to throw some of the riffs at them, uh, they were able to finish songs e- very easily with me. Uh, I at the time I had had writer's block for years, and I felt really um, I didn't feel confident enough to write a whole song by myself. I always didn't like a part, and and just kind of it just sat around for a while. But with with uh, Arrow, our our keyboard player, I was able to bounce off ideas off them, and they would be able give me four or five ideas right back with where the song could go. Um, They had gone to school in Fredonia, which is a small town about an hour south of Buffalo, more towards the Pennsylvania border. And they had studied music theory and uh, they, they play church, uh, they play organ in church every Sunday. So they're very knowledgeable about uh, chord changes and, Mm -hmm. and, and things like that. So that, that's been a blessing.
0: When I was listening back to your, um, you know to your catalog on your Bandcamp, like uh when i got to the i was surprised by how kind of like familiar the 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 latest stuff sounds but when i put on your demo i was very surprised to hear like like almost like dub edm <laughs> kraut rock just like kind of kicking it off <laughs> um and yeah. a lot of elp vibes too um yeah. without making it you know just seemed like an elp clone um so it was it was really i was really like shocked to hear all of that on the demo i was not anticipating that
1: i would not say that we lack focus or that we, we we're having a hard time finding out uh what what uh direction we want to go into because we we're kind of a scatterbrained uh band where we, we we can kind of go in a bunch of different directions. And that's kind of what keeps it exciting and fresh, kind of be like, oh, what are we going to try next? Um, with the demo, it was almost kind of like I had, I had an idea to try to uh, replicate the the weirdness of the Yes Fragile album, mm. where, it was, where it was four real songs where everybody kind of wrote those four songs and worked on those four songs together. And then there were four or five little segues or like little features for each of the members. And so that's kind of what I did with the demo. We had those four songs that we originally wrote together. And then I was like, well, let's stick in all these other weird things. So that, that intro was kind of, uh, we, I took the idea from the, the rainbow song, Tarot Woman how it starts off with this big epic synthesizer thing. And then we just kind of, uh, Arrow and I kind of fleshed that out and just made it all all synths. And because uh, we're we're also into like weird, like Wendy Carlos, like soundtrack stuff. There was another song that uh, I wanted to kind of really challenge uh, our current drummer, Eddie Pearsall, and kind of throw something at him that would really, uh, he'd really have to work on. There was a, it was an Arabic thing called Tarab, where it's like almost every measure in a different time signature. There's like a measure of 716 and 516 and, but uh, he, he got it and he, he really ripped that up. Um, it was, I'm super into Secret Chiefs 3, which is uh, a Mr. Bungle side project of, of the guitarist uh, Trace Bruins. So that's kind of what that song was. There was an acoustic song. I kind of wanted to give Kelly, the, the, the singer, uh, kind of something to shine on uh, with the with like an acoustic ballad. And um, what else was on there? Oh, there was there's this there's a thing called uh, Il Cono Tagliati, which is basically my uh, super into Ennio Morricone, this Italian uh, film composer. Oh yeah, so very familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I tried to emulate some of his stuff on that. Basically, what happened with uh, our most recent release, the, our seven inch, our two song seven inch, we had written four new songs and we recorded demo versions of them to be pre-production for a, a full length, our first full length that we were going to go into a, a real studio for. Uh, as soon as we finished the four songs pre-production, our drummer quit for a while. And um, we got a new a, a fill in drummer who was really good he had a bit of a a hard time getting getting the hang of the songs or he I guess he's maybe a a little bit freer of a drummer where he would kind of play different fills every time and it would kind of throw us off so we we basically played a couple shows with him and I I realized that we weren't going to be able to record the songs with him so I just kind of I took the two shortest songs from the pre-production and I was like these are good enough I'm just going to press it as a seven inch so that's what I did with those and then eventually, our our old drummer Eddie came back, and then pretty pretty much right after that, COVID hit. So we were, uh, I got the seven inches in the mail like very shortly after COVID hit, and uh, we we came up with some covers, and it's kind of been difficult trying to promote them and and get them out to to record stores and stuff in the middle of COVID. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, sent all uh, everybody back pretty much. Yeah, cool. I mean, that, I, I I appreciate that you're you're not afraid to, you know, go away from a certain sound or whatever, you know, that you're, you know, I'm, I would assume that, you know, down the line, you know, another, if you ever get out to like doing an EP or LP or something like that, that it would, you know, kind of keep that going.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, pretty much if it, I think my one rule with tines has been, I don't want to really have any influences or any sounds or, 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 songs that sound anything i think 1985 was about my cutoff year. i was like i like that i like that second pentagram album which came out around 85 but anything after that i don't want to be influenced by <laughs> so <laughs> if it's if it's a genre that that was around in the 70s I, I consider it fair game to to pull into the time sound whether it's whether it's funk or or metal or or classic rock or or anything i'm totally cool with incorporating it into our sound
0: or weird stuff
1: yeah yeah weird the weird of the better
0: i kept thinking of gong for some reason
1: yeah i've never been i've never listened to them a lot but i've heard a little bit of the stuff that i've heard from them I've, I've liked yeah i don't know why that just like kept coming i mean nothing
0: as weird as like i don't know how if, if it's uh i think it's what is it comus i think is the or the yeah. the really kind of out there like folky rock, uh, rock band.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I'm familiar with their stuff too.
0: Now, like, as you put this album together, like were you looking for a specific like crowd to, to market to, or ha- did you just kind of embrace the reception from like the doom and stoner community, you know, given that it's not like your kind of traditional, you know, release to come out.
1: Yeah, I kind of figured um, we we sit in a really weird place. Like in in Buffalo, we play with we play with a lot of punk and metal bands, and and some some doom and stoner and sludge bands. And um, I've I've had friends who have kind of been like, "Why do you play with those kind of bands? Why don't you try to play more with like classic rock bands or prog bands?" and I would be open to the idea, but it's almost like we're too musical for the punks who, who I guess it just kind of goes over their head or they just don't like it because it's not aggressive enough or or too musical. And then it's like, we're too loud and too fast and too aggressive for your typical classic rock fan or or something like we've, we've played shows where, where we we've got a lot of amps, and uh, so we, mm-hmm. we like the we like the volume, the volume and aggressive aspect of of, of doom metal and extreme metal. So it's kind of, it kind of puts us in a very awkward place of, of where where the hell we belong. And uh, but I, I figure that the doom doom and stoner rock fans are open minded enough to accept us. And if and if we're playing with a couple of those bands, I kind of feel like we we might come off as a bit of a, a fresh air if we're playing with like two or three bands that kind of sound very much alike. If we play in between them, it kind of I feel like we're a little bit of a breath of fresh air.
0: I would say so. Like if if you popped up on a bill, I'd be like, oh, hey, what's this? Yeah. (laughs) With things kind of changing in the country. I mean, hopefully, um, you know, there's some more stuff opening back up. Um, What does Tynes have planned for the future? Uh, Do you have any like new music in the works or have you been working on any, any music?
1: Let's see. We just started rehearsing again, because we, we just got added to Maryland Doomfest in October. Yes. So we're kind of like, oh, we got to get our, our asses in gear and, and get ready for that. And we have a couple other shows. We have two other shows booked in September, which are outdoor shows, one in Rochester uh, with Sulaco and one uh, maybe a little bit south of Buffalo uh, in a more like rural area. Let's see. Before we started getting back to, uh, together to rehearse, I was on a show. We were on. We were fe- featured on a, on another podcast called Blind Submissions uh, on the West Coast, and I sent those guys our seven inch. And the show that they they were talking about our seven inch on, they were interviewing a guy named Andy Patterson, who's the drummer of yeah. Sub Rosa, even though they've they've broken up. And I, I guess he has he has a recording studio. I was like, this guy seems really familiar. And then I realized that his first band, what the hell were they called? Uh, I have their records, State of the Nation. They stayed at my house in 94. I was like, (laughs) oh my God, I I totally know this dude. And so I got back in touch with him and we were kind of reminiscing about, about that tour that they were on. And it turned out that he had recorded a drum track for a Deep Purple song that was supposed to be on uh, the Glory or Death uh, compilation that's coming out, Glory or Death Records uh, tribute to Deep, Deep Purple album, and I guess he had recorded drums for the song Bloodsucker for a, another band, and they ended up breaking up. Mm. So I asked him to, to send the drum tracks to me, and we've we've over the last two months we've we've uh, recorded the music for that. I just have to kind of go through and edit it a bit and send it back to him and i'm, I'm not sure if he's going to end up mixing it or if he's going to send me the rest of it and have uh, somebody else mix it but uh unfortunately we we missed the deadline for the compilation i mean we weren't even we weren't even asked or invited to be on the compilation but i was like oh if we hurry up and get it done quick enough and if they like <laughs> it maybe, maybe we can get on a, in a <laughs> that's
0: pretty cool that's funny how that like came about
1: yeah definitely it's small world definitely
0: I like Rochester. A lot. I've been up there a bunch. I have good friends. Fun town.
1: Yeah, definitely. We've I think we've only played there twice. Um, uh, Eric Burke from Salako likes us, and there's a band there called Fox Forty Five, which they used to be an all female kind of doom sludge band, but now they have they have a, a male guitarist, and the, we're we're good friends with them, so they've had us come out. Other than that we have we've had a bit of a hard time breaking into the breaking into the scene in rochester uh hopefully <laughs> hopefully that it goes better in the future a lot of a lot of hippie bands uh I guess i i don't I don't know if I've seen many hippie bands there i've I've mostly gone to punk and hardcore and metal shows there I was able to I was able to find maybe one or two bands I had never heard of before. I had reached out to uh, Billy Goat from Doomed and Stoned last year because I noticed that uh, there was no New York State uh, compilation in their Bandcamp regional series. Together with uh, my friend Alisa, who's in a band called Nine Layers Deep from Buffalo, we were able to find about 50 bands across the state to put together for the Doomed and Stoned in New York compilation. Oh, that's rad most of them were from new york city uh there's about maybe i'd say maybe half of them were from from the new york city area Mm -hmm. and then i think buffalo may have had the second most with maybe about 10 bands and then rochester maybe four or five and i wasn't all that surprised that syracuse only had one or two doom and stoner bands because they've always been way more of a a straight edge hardcore Mm -hmm. stronghold with like a couple death metal bands And then maybe maybe one or two in the Albany area. And then I guess there's there's a small town south of Albany called Kingston, and I guess they they have yeah they have a really amazing dooner and doom and stoner scene.
0: Yeah, there's I've talked to a few bands from that neck of the woods, and it's uh uh, I think they called it like Kingston Heavy or something like that. That's like their catchphrase there.
1: Yeah, Yeah. gee I know Geezer is the one band that I definitely remember from there. Yeah.
0: Um, haven't talked to them yet, actually probably should, but yeah, that's, uh, I, and I, I, you know, prior to COVID would run into those folks all the time. Cause it's just, you know, hop, skip it, and jump away from New York city, which is, you know, yeah. obviously big hub.
1: Yeah. We were actually supposed to play in New York last year for the, um, the ode to doom, but of mm. course COVID hit like maybe th- three months before we were supposed to play that,
0: Yeah, I think it hit like right like the week of one. So, yeah, yeah, we all saw it unfold in front of us. So, yeah, (laughs) it sucked. Uh, And that is that was cool that you uh, got added to the Maryland Doomfest lineup, which, like I have to say, is a little bit uh, it's a little bit different than it was in the original the original uh, lineup that was that was going to happen last year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I noticed. I'm i uh, I'm, I guess, I guess, I think it was just totally like luck and timing. Uh, I, I had hit up. I've never been to one. I was supposed to go to the one in 2017 because I'm a huge captain beyond fan. And that was, yeah. uh, I think that was their first uh, date after they kind of, I wouldn't say got back together. Cause the only original member is the drummer. Uh, the, the guitarist is actually from Buffalo. Uh, Jamie Holka, and uh, he he digs us, but yeah, I ended up not being able to go at the last minute, so I still haven't been down to to one of them yet. But uh, around that time in 2017, I think I, I I sent JB some of our stuff and he liked it, but uh, I think it, it yeah it was definitely too late for us to try to get onto the 2017 one, and then I just kind of I don't know if I forgot about trying to apply uh do an official application the next year or what, but uh. I hit him up this year, and I, I don't know if a band had just dropped off right right before I asked or or what, but it it seemed it just seemed like good timing, I guess.
0: I haven't been down to one of them either, so you know uh, I did look at your Facebook profile for a second. Like you're a pretty well traveled, dude. I I think I saw you were out in that Psycho Las Vegas one year and all yeah. over Europe. It looked like.
1: Yeah, I've uh, I, I love to travel. Uh, even if it's if it's for shows, awesome. Even if it's not for shows. Yeah, I, I've only been out to one of the Psycho Las Vegas, and it was um, 2016. I'm a huge Arthur Brown fan. I'm wearing my Arthur Brown t-shirt yeah. right now. And so he was my main reason for going out to that. Uh, but it was all, there was also a handful of other bands I really wanted to see. I had never seen Candlemas before, so I got to see them. That band, uh, Death uh, the, the, not, not the death metal band death, but the, like the kind of proto punk Detroit. Oh yeah. From, uh,
0: from Detroit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They played, that was awesome. Um, I'm a huge black mountain fan they played and there was a, Oh, pentagram played. So there, there was a, there was a handful of bands that I really wanted to see. So that was awesome. As far as traveling, um, the last two, the last two Januaries I've gone to, to Ireland, they do a big Thin Lizzy festival every year on the date of uh, Phil Lenat's death in early January. So I've I've gone out to that the last two years, and that's been awesome. And then as far as non-show traveling, I've, I've traveled around South America and, and Southeast Asia a little bit.
0: Um, anywhere you want to go in particular? You know, once uh, travel can happen again.
1: Hmm. I definitely want to get back to to Ireland because they they also do something in the summertime uh for for Phil's birthday so maybe in August, if if uh if I can by August get over there for that that would be cool um other than that i mean if i stand on the roof of my house i can see canada i'm right across the <laughs> it's right across the niagara river and i've got a i've got a bunch of friends up in toronto that i haven't seen in over a year so as soon as as soon as that border opens up i'll i'll be driving over there to visit some friends in toronto and um, other than that, I can't think of anything. I mean, there's there's a couple other continents I'd like to get to, Australia and, and Africa. Cross them off the list. Yeah, someday.
0: Yeah, I I, I forgot to say though, I I got to see uh, Arthur Brown at the 2019 version, and uh, he kicked ass. <laughs>
1: nice. I've come I've uh I've come to New York two times to see him. Uh, I think the last time was at a place called uh, Pope. Poisson Rouge or something. Yeah, La
0: Poisson Rouge.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that was a cool show.
0: Uh, he's awesome. He's uh, like dude's so full of life, you know, like and he's yeah. not like he's not like a young guy or anything.
1: No, he's gotta be seventy-four, I think he is. I think it's it must be all that yoga that he does.
0: <laughs> Probably, yes.
1: <laughs> My other favorite older guy who's who's still touring around is uh Nick Turner from Hawkwind. I've seen him a couple times and he's 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 kind of the same, like definitely like full of life, Uh, Mm -hmm. still doing it totally like punk rock DIY style, like driving around in a van with the band and just like crashing at people's houses. I was I was super impressed by that. (laughs) <laughs> the thought i i'm sure
0: i i feel like arthur brown does not do that anymore
1: <laughs> no no i doubt i doubt he crashes at people's houses but he i i got to meet him at that at that one psycho fest he was he was kind of walking around with with his son uh ali and i hung out with them, both of them for a little bit and, and talked and they were they were he was super cool and down to earth
0: yeah, he seems it that yeah. that that's a a great thought. Just like uh, like a a late '60s British guy being like, "Hey, can we like stay at your place?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You've
0: been listening to anything lately? Uh, you know, new, old, whatever.
1: Um, I don't listen to a lot of newer stuff. I I pretty much listen to. I I really only get excited when I discover something old that i had never heard before and there hasn't been anything lately that i've i've found like i I always get really excited i think i'm part of a facebook group called i think it's called after the sabbath so it's like a lot of like proto metal stuff around like late 60s early 70s and i'll I'll click on things and get really excited for them and then kind of kind of be let down sometimes and other times be like this is okay maybe i'll check this out again I think the last thing that I got super excited about and into was maybe uh, like a year or two ago when I was watching the uh, tales from the tour bus TV show that uh, Mike judge did. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last episode of the second season was on uh, Betty Davis, Miles Davis's ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was just a freakazoid, uh, <laughs> fun, like just freak funk type stuff. And that's, That's probably the last thing that I got really super excited about and got all the albums and just listened to that nonstop. Um, She actually lives down in Pittsburgh and she's a, she's a recluse. Like she doesn't come out of her house or her apartment or whatever, but uh, they did a screening uh, of her documentary on her birthday, uh, maybe uh, two years ago. And uh, my mom was visiting. And so me and my mom went down and went to the documentary screening and then they kind of had an after party and I got to meet one of her friends, which was pretty cool. I'm like, that's probably the closest I'll come to meeting Betty David. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, is
0: there anything you want to plug for yourself?
1: Let's see. Uh, uh, we still have uh, probably about 200 copies of our 7-inch. You can get that on Bandcamp or you can just uh, message me on Facebook or Instagram, e- either of our, uh, our pages. And uh, other than that, I'm just going to finish up that uh, that deep purple cover pretty soon, and we'll probably release that as a single. And we also have um, maybe about six years ago, with the original lineup, uh, during a rehearsal, we record we we uh, had learned um, an old Attila song, which was Billy Joel's like second project ever. Oh yes, it was,
0: that very weird yeah. like prog rock band that he did.
1: Yeah, it was just organ and drums with him singing and playing all the bass lines with his feet. I love, I love that record. And so we did a, we did one of those songs called "Tear This Castle Down," and we just happened to record the music for it. And uh, the rehearsal recording was was good enough to to release. Uh, we just were kind of finishing up doing a, a little bit of overdubs because the keyboards weren't loud enough in the rehearsal recording and uh, doing some vocals. So we're probably going to release that pretty soon and then um just get ready to play some shows uh, later in the summer uh covid allowing and um get back to writing some new music and playing more shows more out of town shows and hopefully uh i would love to get our stuff uh released on a small label and just help help to get our our name out there a little bit more cuz i i really hate doing the the marketing promoting uh part of the music i i prefer just <laughs> writing music playing and rehearsing having to nag people to listen to my band is is kind of annoying
0: (laughs) i'm looking forward to hearing uh what you guys do down the
1: road awesome thank you so much for having me yeah thank Um, you man do i need to recite our our uh our social media stuff or i'm sure people can find it out there you know times t-i-n-e-s pretty easy
0: yeah you if you just look them up on bandcamp You can find all their the links to their social media and you can find them pretty easily. So, but Bandcamp's the most important one.
1: (laughs) Yes, definitely.
0: (laughs) Of all those. Cool. Well, thank you again for coming on. And uh, that'll do it for this chapter of the diary.
1: Thanks so much for having me.